Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson, and I am joined, as always, by the myth, the legend, the man himself, Casey Clapper. Hello, Alex. Hi, Casey. I uh, I have to say, every now and then, when you ever uh, when you when you when you you tickle my ego with all these epithets, <laughs> it makes me smile. Uh, yes. Uh, would you? How would you feel if you knew I was doing it ironically? Uh, it would also make me smile just as much. <laughs> I think that's kind of the kind of the whole part of it because I know yeah. that there's nothing that is mythical about me. I'm uh, I'm pretty. Pretty standard. Yes, you are but a man, flesh and blood. It is all I am. Sometimes I wear hats. I also have ink inside of that flesh. That's true. It's the only thing that I think you could add on to it. That's right. Yeah. Alex, guess what? What, Casey? Uh, one of, two of our listeners actually found me in the wild this weekend. Wow. Who are they? Uh, I can't recall their names. Uh, I don't... Uh, I don't always remember everybody's names. Because they mean so little to you. It is. That's not the case, Alex. They mean a lot to me. Uh, but I, I want to shout them out because we, we were all on the top of a parking garage. Oh, fun. In uh, Portland here. There is a event going on. It's the whole summer. It's Pedalpalooza. It is Pedalpalooza. If you're in Portland, you must, you must go join some Pedalpalooza rides. For those of you not in Portland, uh, come to Portland for Pedalpalooza. Anyway, it was good to see you. Shout out uh, to yeah, cool. them uh, and uh, send us your name, and we'll be like, "It was you," and we'll we'll know that. Anyway, I just want to say that I That's had some exciting. Fun. And uh, the only way I can think they recognize me is either by my tattoos or by my face. Likely, it's going to be the latter, not the former. Maybe when you were getting loud, you were using your voice and they recognized your voice yeah, of possibly. the loud and lit. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's precisely right. I think I switched the latter and former there, but we're not going to go back. No, I'll probably even edit that out. Oh, thanks, <laughs> Casey, uh, complete tonal switch here. This week, uh-huh. uh, the Supreme Court of the United States mm, yes. uh, overturned Roe versus Wade. Yep. Which was the 1973 court decision by the SCOTUS yep. to make uh, abortion a constitutional right. Yes, exactly. Uh, this was overturned. Under, what is it, the Dobbs decision, I think is what they're calling it now. Yes. Where essentially, now that is, uh, 
they've said that no, that in fact is not a right. I think this is one of the first times in the history of the court that it has taken away a right that it has previously given. Yeah, it's a huge step back. It's a gigantic step backwards. I also want to say about this that um, it feels like one of the biggest national tragedies in our lifetime. I think it is, yeah. Especially following um, a bunch of things that have been national successes. Yeah. Uh, the right to gay marriage in 2015. Yes. When that came out, it was like, thank God, we're starting to make these decisions that seem so obviously in the correct What year was that? Move. 2015 Holy that came out. shit. Yeah. Oh my God. And so, yeah, it is. It's really, it's really stunning. And it really, uh, there's also a gun rights um, win that came out, I think, the day or two before that. Yeah. So this court has has now proven themselves to, to be clearly going, going in a direction that is counter and backwards from the rest of the the general consensus uh, in the United States. And I don't want to say general consensus. That's the wrong word. It's the uh, public opinion is mm-hmm. shifting one direction, and they have uh, gone like a salmon running up a stream to the opposite direction of that push. La- a couple weeks ago, we talked about the dragon blood tree. Yep. Uh, as mentioned in that episode, dragon blood sap is a known abortive fashion. Yeah. Uh, used to induce miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many plants that are abortifacient. Uh, we got an email, and I'm just gonna. I'm just. I think I'm just gonna read the email yeah, verbatim, Casey. Go for it. Regarding the abortifacient property of the dragon blood, it seemed like there was a little hesitancy to speak on that topic. But the truth is, every human society in all of history has had intimate knowledge of the abortifacients available to them. This just goes to show that women and anyone who can get pregnant, we'll just say uh, uh, uterus havers, um, have always needed and mastered control of their own bodies and health. Which brings me to what I want to say. With abortion rights under threat in this country, uh, they are now eliminated. Yeah, Yeah, that threat has come to pass. Um, I wanted to say that there are people around the world who still practice abortion with herbal remedies. There are herbal mutual aid groups all over the U.S. to make sure that people can still manage their own health in the face of state violence. I know a lot of people around me feel a lot of despair about what's coming politically, what now has come, mm-hmm. and it will be, and it could be really empowering and reassuring to be in community with your local herbal mutual aid group. Remember those words. Yes. Uh, that was me saying that. So, Casey. Yes, Alex. This is not something I knew existed, and... Mm-hmm. We, I, I, I think maybe same for you. No, I didn't really. Uh, yeah. it's, it's not something I've had any experience with, but um, I am a non-uterus haver, so it's yes. something that perhaps has not been put in front of me or th- something that I had to explicitly think about for my own health care. Same. So I think at this point, um, because the the now that this has been taken away, that now I think it's important that we as supporters need to take uh, that extra step and make sure that we're trying to put this uh, this issue forward and trying to say, hey, we have a platform. We're going to try and help as best we can. At least make sure we can put out the word and say, hey, uh, abortion is healthcare, and it's important that if you need to, you can find uh, your local herbal mutual aid group. That's and, right, and help uh, help you and your community if you need. And if you live in a place where something like that doesn't exist, um, I think we would just point you toward uh, plannedparenthood.org mm. which has a bunch of information on how to get abortion pills in the mail yeah. wherever you live 
even though I think that's that's becoming uh, oh, it's like the next level fight yeah. or something like that. Yeah, um, which is it's very curious because uh, states like Oregon have zero restrictions on abortions. Yeah, and it's it's one of those sad things that now Oregon is like really getting ready to uh, be a resource for everyone else, maybe from Idaho who have a trigger law that's that's just come into play. So. Yeah, so it's a yeah, it's very frustrating. There are resources and there are places you can go if you have those resources, which is kind of the whole crux of the problem here. It's really fucking terrible, Casey. It really is. I'm worried about what's next. You yeah, know? same. Yeah. Um with that, I guess we should talk about a tree. <laughs> with that, we will move on to the tree. Please yes. be supportive of everyone out there. This week, as we do every week, we are talking about a tree, and this one is called The London plane tree. I had no idea what you were doing for a second. I was like, like what, is, what is he waiting for? Did you <laughs> forget like it? A, it's like, like a biplane sound. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've seen the, the Red Baron right on yes, top of you. The Red Baron is the ultimate London plane. Yeah, it really is. Uh, well, technically, that was actually a German. Uh, oh, fighter, fighter Lord. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. He looks he looks British on the pizza box. Oh, yeah. No, he totally does. I also think of um, Snoopy often uh, in that plane. Mm. I also think of Snoop Dogg sometimes. Yeah, well, yeah. Just know. just aside. The guy's everywhere these days. It really is. <laughs> uh, Casey, the scientific name for the London plane tree. Platinus cross acerifolia or just platinus acerifolia. Platinus acerifolia. Correct. So platinus is the uh, the old Latin or the Greek term for the oriental plane tree ah. uh, or we call them sycamores other people call them plane trees it's a little bit confusing because there's also um, a sycamore maple but then in other places uh, like England they would just call maples a sycamore or a certain species of maple a sycamore and these leaves look very similar uh, a maple leaf and a plane tree or a sycamore leaf look really really very similar what a curious world we live in oh huh? things very very weird but to add a little extra layer to it acerifolia means that it is the platinus tree with maple like leaves so funny yeah isn't that funny casey let's imagine that you and i how about this in the remember in the opening of austin powers yeah when like he's wa- he's doing his dance number down the street yeah. and a bunch of people join uh-huh. we're one of those dance extras <laughs> okay gotcha you and me and we break for lunch as our union rules Mm -hmm. and we come across some london plane trees oh yes we do as you would find in jolly old london in london let's id this tree and casey alex i would love to start with the name oh okay is this one of the first trees that we have covered that has a quote cross in its scientific name yes it is is. is it the first? I think it is 100% the first. Wow. It is a hybrid, Alex. Okay. Yeah. Take that. Wow. Really Society. Sh- really shaking things up. Yes. It- so in the Latin name, there is the there is the platinus. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then there is a what is denoted by an X. Huh? And then the acerifolia. Exactly. So that is the X is shows that it's a hybrid between the two things. Uh, no, the X is actually showing that it is just a hybrid. Okay. It is. Uh, it denotes that it is not either one of its parents. One is the uh, Oriental plane tree, Platinus orientalis, uh-huh. or the American sycamore tree, which is the Platinus 
occidentalis. Again, uh, occidentalis means west. That's right. Orientalis means east. Okay. Borealis is north and Australis is south. How about that? Yeah, there you go. So um, it's saying it's not either one of those parents. It is a cross between it, but they are, it's so unique and different from either of them. As a hybrid, it gets its own special name. I see. So it is a hybrid that developed in uh, famously, depending on who you read, a garden uh, in outside London. And essentially, you had two... Uh, Two of these trees, one is the western, one is the eastern, they have not been in contact with each other for millions of years, Mm -hmm. but they are still so closely related that they can actually cross-pollinate. So you had these two trees in one garden, they cross-pollinated, now a new tree grows, which is a perfect mix in between those two. Wow. So that is where it comes up with its name. And it never would have been, uh, we never would have seen it. It would not have existed in nature had they not taken one tree and moved it over next to where another tree would be. How about that? Yeah, it was really funny. Well, so as it works out, let's say uh, the biggest thing that you're going to notice about these trees, the thing that most people notice as they're walking up to it, it has exfoliating wow. bark. And this is a really cool thing. It's the the most striking feature. As they are really young, the bark, uh, the outer bark, kind of just flakes off. It flakes off in a very similar way to what you'd see on an old ponderosa pine or an old sure like puzzle piece type yeah exactly now as that tree ages and gets just a little bit older the bark on the lower stems stops doing that it doesn't flake off entirely so you can get a little bit more kind of furrowy flaky bark at the base that doesn't just just pop off it kind of stays there and sticks okay do we know why it does this you know, a lot of people have said that it might be fire or just you want to get a little bit tougher bark because things smash into you when you're, you know, on that lower area. They tend to grow, the two parents tend to grow in bottomland mm. areas where you can get floods that would come through. So if you have a little bit tougher um, bark lower down, it can kind of withstand a little interesting. bit. Interesting. A lot of different ideas. It also makes it tougher for things to like eat you if you're maybe growing in the same area and a beaver comes oh. by. I don't think that's true. I think a beaver would just destroy it. They go straight through the bark. They're, yeah, they wouldn't give a tough. shit. They wouldn't care. Um, but that's a I, they, who knows. It might just also be the way the tree grows, you know. But what happens is, uh, as it gets older, you start to get a a more stable amount of bark on the bottom. But then, as you transition up the stem, you start to get more and more of it flake off, till on the very outer, smaller, like maybe three or so inch mm. branches, all the way down to the twigs, it is bone. Uh, it's kind of bone yellow. <laughs> One of the parents is bone white, the American sycamore, um, and a lot of the other sycamore plane tree species. Um, but the hybrid, the Acerfolia, the London plane tree, kind of has a, not. it's not really sickly, but it's just like a yellow kind of greenish tone. You know what color it is to me? I, 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 we you, saw these trees on our, tree, our last tree trek, which yes, you can find on did. our Patreon. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, you know those like commercials where they'll like, or maybe like school videos where they'll like put a, a set of teeth in like Coca-Cola and oh, then they'll take yeah, them out and yeah. these once white teeth mm-hmm. are now kind of yellow, off yellow, Ooh, off brown. Yeah, it's like haven't brushed yeah, in a while. Yeah, that's the kind of color I'm yeah. thinking. I'm sorry that was so gross, everybody. I think that's totally fine. Sometimes you can, the the the, the worse that yeah. it is, it elicits a more uh, emotional yes. response. So now everyone's going to be like, I know exactly. I what love visceral imagery. Exactly. You are of a visceral thank way. You, thank you very times. much. I think I kind of panicked as I was saying that. I was like, what was I saying? 
<laughs> Never had but somebody anyway, tell me I'm visceral. Yeah, there you go. It's like, is it is this a is this offensive? <laughs> what word am I saying? Okay, I think it's fine. We're gonna go with it. Um, Alex, uh, the other thing we noticed uh, on our tree walk is when you get really, really big yeah. ones that are say three or so feet mm-hmm. in diameter. All of that bark that is on the bottom getting kind of flaky and big, it starts to become really bulbously bumpy and very kind of not even furrowed. There's not even a good pattern to it. It's just, it looks like, ah, here's Mm. my good example. It's not very visceral, but have you seen the movie The Princess Bride? Yes. You know the uh, um, the 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 medicine people or the the witches the yes. uh, Billy Crystal they, and, yeah. yes they have uh, they got like warts all over them yes and they look rough they're very funny though and that is what these trees I think look like imagine those warts but then growing the way a tree grows every single year so they kind of get bigger and bigger and bigger and they look like they're just covered with these giant kind of burly bumps all over the place despite that. It still is one of the most popular trees to be planted on every city street. Yeah. But if you're looking now up and you get beyond the bark and you look at the twigs, you see that they are alternately arranged and their leaves are maple-like, to say the least. They essentially have um, a palmately veined leaf blade. Oh, yeah. It looks like a maple leaf. Right? Yeah. It looks uh, It looks really kind of... You would just think this must be a maple tree. Yeah. The big thing, though, is maples are all or oppositely arranged, whereas the sycamores are alternately arranged. I see. So you can tell that away really quickly by looking at where those buds are and where those leaves are coming off. Great. So um, the big thing about them, though, is that they generally will have a flat base. So the leaf base will be more or less flat. It kind of maybe will go down a little bit, but it's not going to be like recurved going down really far down the, the petiole towards the, the, the twig. You know yeah. what I mean? It does then have these deep sinuses and kind of these little sharp points that come out at the end of each one of those little veins. And that is kind of the, the best way to, to really pick them apart if you're just looking at them from afar if you got them in hand generally they'll have a bunch of bloom and like kind of uh pubescentness underneath the leaf they'll just Mm. have a little bit of hairiness over time that hairiness kind of goes away and it becomes a little bit more smooth and glossy is it a specific color the pubescence or is it sort of just like not really it's kind of just a a, maybe a whitish yellow when they very first come out but it's not like a magnolia where it's like no a bright different color huh no no no. it it just kind of goes away then after uh, maybe a a few weeks or a month or two it just becomes kind of a a dull green on the bottom and a shiny green on top okay now casey i also noted that this you know what i like about this tree alex what is it it's really got balls casey it really does. this tree's got some balls it's got some really tough balls i'm so sorry can we talk about <laughs> the balls that are growing on this thing yes everyone sorry for that joke they actually grow these these it's just they look like a hanging testicles yes there's no question about it if you see it you're gonna be like well eh, yeah that's true it looks like a sweet gum like sweet gum balls yes it does this the plane trees are a little bit different in that they are a perfect uh, globe with little teeny tiny uh, little spikes coming out of it. They don't. They aren't painful. They're they're just kind of little hair kind of things popping out. Yeah. It's technically unakeen, and the flowers uh, of which this is a monoecious tree. 
Akeen. Akeen. A-C-H-E-N-E. The first time we've ever said the word Akeen oh on the show. Oh, my God. Oh, this is great. I know uh, this for a fact. This is, uh, it's the same as a strawberry. A strawberry is also an Akeen. Oh, where the seeds grow on the outside? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So really, the seeds, uh, the they, they kind of get pushed to the outside, and what is underneath that becomes the fruit and kind of goes and gets bigger. Oh. It's like the, the receptacle probably in this case. So these guys will, uh, they hang down, and usually they would go... Um, kind of one onto the other so you'd have a long stem then you'd have one of the little globes coming off of it then it would kind of zig to the left and there'd be another one they would zig to the right so generally i think you get two to three um hanging down on one individual little stem they're really curious looking yeah and they actually kind of fall apart if you were to pick up one that was dry and kind of mush it around in your hand it would fall apart like so many um straws or little little seeds that just kind of go whoosh, just kind of flutter away so a couple of the things that are notable about this tree the leaf uh base of the petiole covers the bud entirely so if you are looking at the you're trying to find the bud uh-huh. the bud will actually be completely covered um, by the base of the petiole of the leaf. So you're not going to be able to find a leaf and a bud next to each other. One will be covering up the other. Oh, because usually when a leaf comes out, at uh-huh. the base of the leaf is a little little, little nub. That's exactly right, and like that's a, how you know it's a leaf. Like a dog's thumb on, yes. a, on his paw, like yeah. coming out of the bottom of the leaf. Exactly. But this one, the leaf petiole covers that bud. Yes. And then what, does it just break out of it later? No, the, the leaf is deciduous, so it'll fall off uh, during the fall, and then that bud will just be sitting there exposed, ready oh, to go. Oh, how about that? Yeah. And then uh, these trees, you know, they have kind of kind of a normal fall color. It's not really spectacular. It's kind mm. of you know, yellowish, kind of orange, brown. Kind of a classic color. It is. They're, they're very much like, they're, they're not there for, for fall. They're kind of like, eh, fall, not my best month. I, I just, I'm going to, I'm just going to go to sleep. It's definitely a summer tree. It really is. Yeah, it's a summer tree. And so they grow and they get huge, very capacious canopies. They grow out and they cover a vast amount of space. Mm-hmm. And they just have this whole sort of uh, regal effect. Um, and they're very strong trees. They grow in almost any conditions. Like, I mean... A stunning amount of conditions. You plant them, and they're like, "There's, there's no room here." And you're like, "Yeah, good, uh, good luck." And they're like, huh? "Okay, jokes on you. I'll never die." <laughs> and they just keep going. If you're in downtown Portland, you go onto the the Transit Mall, essentially Fourth and Fifth Avenues. Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of them growing, and they are growing out of nothing. Their hmm. bases are getting mashed into like the uh, the rings around the the edge. They they have no space to grow, yet they apparently are just fine. Wow. I don't, I don't, I really don't get it. They don't need anything. They absolutely crush uh, all soil types. You can give them some water and they'll be okay. You give them a lot of water, they'll be okay. You give them no water, they might die. But if they just get enough, they'll still live. Wow. They're trees that are almost unstoppable. Tough trees. Very tough trees. And... That toughness, as I said earlier, makes it so that they are planted, even because they look beautiful, we plant them all over the place. Mm. There are other trees we think look beautiful, we plant them all over the place in a bunch of cities, but they can't take those conditions. The ginkgo is another one of these kinds of trees, like... For whatever reason, you put it in almost any soil type and it grows. You put it in a city and it thrives. Yeah. It just crushes it all the time. That is what makes this tree... So ubiquitous. I've been to uh, Tokyo. They're all over the place. I've been really? to Europe. They're all over the place. Everywhere in the United States, they're all over the place. 
They're planted to the point where some people are completely sick of them. I, I, I guess I, I should say wait until the review portion, oh. but I'm curious to see if this has your classic overplanted, ah, hmm. uh, but we'll, we'll hold on to that. Yeah, we might have to hold on to that because in this story, Alex, this is not an overplanted tree to a detriment. Mm-hmm. This might be an overplanted tree to our betterment. Hey, how about that? Yes, it's actually very exciting. A rarity, and we'll hear plenty more about that after the break. We'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking the London Plane Tree. Uh, Platinus. Cross. Acerfolia. That is right. Well Ooh, done. I've never worked so hard in my life. Yeah, you're sweating. Are you okay? I am sweating, yeah, Casey. Okay. Well, it's also just hot in it's, here. It's a warm day. Um, Alex. Um, yes. Just in case I should note, it is acceptable to say just Platinus Acerfolia. Apparently, oh. if you're a hybrid and you exist for X amount of time, which this tree looks like... It was, quote, found growing in London in 1663. May not be the case, uh, but they now apparently, uh, IDIS, the like International Nomenclature Database, uh-huh. um, lists it as uh, having an acceptable name of Platinus acerifolia. Hey, it earned its stripes. It did. It's, it's now a real tree. Wow. It's, yeah. This is, <laughs> this is a real Pinocchio story. It ditched its hybrid roots. Hey. Yeah. Pun. Well, Alex, are you familiar with the uh, uh, the air quality index today in uh, Portland, Oregon? Let's see what it is. Forty five, good. What? I have thirty two, good. I just redid it. Wow. What are you looking at? Portland. Wow. Am I looking at the right Portland? Forty five. Yeah, it's on Oregon, my weather yeah. app. Ah. Well, either way, it's relatively good. Thirty two. Yeah. Now, do you know what they are? What they're looking at there? What the? Well, I guess it's is? the matter. The the amount of uh, particulate matter in the air. Casey, is that true? Well, it is actually a bunch of different things, not okay. just particulate matter. It does uh, six criteria pollutants, which is particulate matter two point uh-huh. five and ten, which is uh, micrometers. So it's uh, about five times smaller than the width of your hair. Okay. And then the PM, which is particulate matter ten microns, is just a little bit bigger okay uh there's also ozone carbon monoxide carbon dioxide and sulfur dioxide I see that is what goes into um a air quality index uh which is aqi remember if a couple of years ago a couple summers ago yeah when it got really smoky oh yeah for sure what was do you remember what the air quality was then it wasn't <sighs> like in the 80s or something it crazy? was I, I don't remember but it was way off the charts it was, it was, it was insane bad it was uh, that was uh in 20 i think it was 2020 yeah when the fires came through just uh here all the wind Blew into the city and covered the entire place with like this, uh, this yellow smog. It was horror. It was boy, oh horror. boy, that was just terrible. Yeah. Well, so are you familiar with? Uh, um, I guess you are. Just the the PM two point five concentration for Oregon 
or Portland right now? Oh, yeah. Let me think. Uh, it's probably six or seven. Oh, yeah. You're actually close. 7.7. <laughs> 7. Wow. You really got a good meter for that, Alex. Good job. <laughs> wow. I nailed it. <laughs> so that is uh, micrograms per cubic meter. Micrograms per cubic meter. Yes. And okay. that's of particulate matter, which is 2.5. Uh, cubic or, meter. Yeah, okay. 2.5 or PM. That is PM 2.5. Got it. So that is 1.5 times higher than the World Health Organization recommends. Oh. Even at just 7.7 micrograms per cubic meter. Doesn't sound like a lot. Doesn't sound like a lot. I guess it is. Turns out it is quite a bit more. Okay. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because the the tree we're talking about today, the London plane tree, is famous for very specifically scrubbing pollutants from the air okay not any pollutant but the worst of them allegedly which is the particulate matter 2.5 and i'm sure particulate matter 10 but the pm 2.5 yeah so um this all kind of uh, kind of struck me a while back i guess it must have been earlier this year sometime i don't remember exactly when i heard it but it was sometime in the last couple six or eight months um, it was another podcast. Turns out I every now and then listen to other things rather than completely arbitrary. <laughs> I love the idea of you driving around in your truck listening to completely arbitrary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And everyone's like, hey, aren't you the guy? And I just turn it up really loud. So what I was listening to, and I, I generally don't listen to Freakonomics. Are you familiar with this podcast? Yeah. It's sort of one of like the first podcasts that got really big. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that in Radio Lab. Yeah. Like, this American Life. Exactly. Those yeah. kind of big radio story kind of shows. Yeah. And so I never really liked it. I think I listened to it once or twice like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, nah, not really into it. Since then, I've become more into what they talk about which for those of you who aren't familiar their their whole thing is the hidden side of everything right they look into the the economic kind of things that drive other other stuff like a bunch of random stuff a bunch of random such and they just do such a good job like like they have sources upon sources their their production quality and their production sort of levels is high very high yeah and so i was listening to it and i just uh, yeah they're the opposite of what i want to say i listened to the episode in question earlier uh-huh. today i was like the whole time thinking we could never fucking do this. It's no. a good podcast. It is. It's a good, it's a, it's a great podcast. We are a good podcast. They are a great podcast. We're yeah. okay. So one day when we want to be professional radio stars, we'll ask them, hey, what do you do? Yeah, we got to hire a yeah. team yeah. to well, do I, that. So they, uh, I was listening to this in the, in the truck. I was driving around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had some, uh, some uh, national public radio on. Ended up being, they were showing, uh, or, or, playing a rerun of this Freakonomics episode called This Is Your Brain on Pollution. Yes. So I was like, okay, well, I'll keep listening to it. And it was a fascinating, fascinating discussion on particulate matter 2.5 and how it affects your cognition. Mm-hmm. So without going too far into what exactly their entire show is about, 
suffice it to say, go listen to this episode. Of course, go listen to Freakonomics. If you are of Freakonomics and you want to interview us, please give us a call. Uh, send us an email, <laughs> arbitrarypod at gmail.com. We would love to talk with you, Stephen. So what they ended up uh, talking about in this episode is essentially they had a uh, some of the most fascinating researchers. And I, I love these kinds of researchers. There's a guy in um, Portland. His name is Jeffrey Donovan. He's also doing this kind of like really big, wide intensity uh, in wide breadth research mm. on like these these economic questions that you can't just like put your your finger on right uh, I'll give you an example for you listeners out there you could say how much is that can of coke worth and you could say well this coca-cola is worth a dollar and three cents and you can just you have that you know that because that's how so much how much someone pays for something right? sure so the question is how much is a tree worth how much is clean air worth how much is um happiness worth you know these these kind of way squishier ideas we've talked about them a few times i think one of the earliest episodes on the uh, european horn beam yeah so in this case, uh, instead of uh, the European hornbeam, we talked about shade and how important shade and cooling urban areas is. The heat island effect. Exactly. Look at you. You're like a steel trap over that there. That was a Alex. year ago. It was Casey. a long time. <laughs> I still drive by the tree I took a picture of for that episode. It's some of my favorite ones. That's so nice. So I, of course, am an urban forester. I'm an arborist. I have urban <clears> trees <throat> in my heart. Yes, me too. And... <laughs> I really like it. Hey, and Alex too. <laughs> you are. I give you full credit for that. Thank you. I'm an honorary arborist. Yes. And, and I gave a, myself that honor. Yeah, a capital H, capital A. <laughs> That's what we should do. That'll be a, a, a Patreon level. We'll give everyone honorary arborists. <laughs> and you just get a little patch. Just have to answer a couple questions. And we never tell them it's meaningless. <laughs> we never tell them. Shh. <laughs> So um, so in this episode, basically, they talk to a couple researchers that basically say the worst thing in the world, like the worst thing for our human health is air pollution. Yeah. And they're like, we don't, we shouldn't be concerning ourselves so much with, rather, they're saying we should be concerning ourselves not only with CO2 and nitrous oxide and all these other big things that mm -hmm. cause a lot of other problems, climate change is, you know, obviously the big one and warming in the atmosphere, but we should be concerning ourselves with particulate matter for our literal hour to hour, day to day, minute to minute cognitive function. Yeah. So this piqued my interest because of, as an urban forester, you and I are constantly being like, we need trees. They're important. They're not just pretty things on the side of the road. They're causing a great deal of benefit and service to us as a whole community because they are giving us ecosystem services. Yeah. That big catch-all term that essentially means the things we don't have to pay for that nature does for us. Generally speaking, that's cleaning the air. That's cleaning our water. Ever since we put in the... Uh, Clean Air Act back in what the Nixon era, that has been something that has cleaned up the United States in a huge, huge way. Listen to the podcast, uh, the Freakonomics, and they'll explain, well, we just kind of moved it offshore. But however it happens, the United States has pretty good air quality now as compared to a couple decades ago. Mm. And But they're still not perfect. And they found this, uh, another researcher in here, if you were uh, to map where old smokestacks used to be in London and figure out where the wind was blowing, which generally it was from the west 
to the east. Right. They ended up finding compelling evidence that after we started using coal in the Industrial Revolution, cities started to stratify where you had rich people on the west side, poor people on the east side. In these industrializing uh, cities in the uh, the Western Hemisphere, where generally the wind goes to the west, I'm right sorry, from the from the west to the east, because the west will have cleaner air, exactly, and the property will be higher value. Yeah, and then all the the <clears throat> the sooty smoggy stuff is yeah. going to the east, and then you generally have that. Portland, Oregon is a perfect example. Yep. The west side is the very much more treed, more rich, more well-off side, yeah. whereas the uh, the east side is not that. Yes. And that, that I don't know, I want to say just for Portland, it's also, there's a geographic thing to it. They're like the West Hills. You have this beautiful view. So yeah. there's compounding factors here. But it, that is at least one of them. Yeah. And they have found this across all different cities. So Portland is, not, is just a, a data point here. Now, what's fascinating on top of this uh, is they then add on the idea of um, generational um, effects of this entire sort of uh, thing, where if you initially, the, the question was posed to these researchers, well, if you, are, uh, if you are looking at this, how do you know it's not causation or correlation? You have to walk to your business. You're a blue-collar worker. You're going to live closer to where you are, so then, or where you work. So you end up getting these, you know, people clustering around these certain things. Mm. And these researchers, because they're brilliant, basically said, yeah, well, we, we figured that out and we decided, we, we thought of that. So then we moved things around and, and did all their measurements, ended up essentially showing that if you move, uh, if you have to live in this certain area where the air quality is really poor, you have a lower cognitive function by something like, I think, seven percentage points, something like that. And which is a pretty substantial amount of points if you're thinking about how well is my brain working today? Well, yeah. it's actually just a 75 when it could be an 81, mm. you know? So it ended up being that if you are not working, you're, you're not working at your high capacity, you're, you're maybe you're actually a little bit dumber today because the air quality is a little bit worse, then your children would also have that same reduced quality of, of air. Therefore, it would show up on their grades, on their test scores, on their, their cognitive function. Yeah. And then they don't make as much money because they're not as smart or whatever you have. And then they can't move out and they can't move up and you get this sort of generational sort of effect where if it happened this one time to this one group of people, now as things happen and you don't build wealth and other people do build wealth, you start getting these intense disparities between populations of people living in certain places in a city yeah all that to say alex environmental racism is a term that we've probably used several times on this uh, on this show and the thing that is now added on to that is trees we're in the freakonomics podcast to their detriment did not talk about trees not even once you 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 recommended to me that i listen to this episode mm -hmm. for this episode yes uh, and I thought it would mention trees. Yeah, I was, I was, I was upset that it didn't. I was upset too. Oh, okay, I, I have to admit, I was only <clears throat> upset because I'm like, I know another thing. Like, yeah. there's another layer to this story, right? And that's where the London plane tree comes in. People have planted trees 
all over cities for years. It started, basically, they just wanted to line big boulevards with streets. Then everybody wanted their street to look like a boulevard, so they'd mm. plant trees on it. And then sometime in the last about 100 years or so, we started planting trees because that was the right thing to do. It made things look nice, and everyone was like, this is really beautiful. Then we started doing research and finding out that actually it's more than just a beauty thing. Trees actually do all these really intense things. One of which is absorb and collect pollution. The particulate matter does not get absorbed in uh, in any leaves or anything like that. They actually get caught on the leaves, and they would sit there and rest on uh, on the leaves, kind of the same way that you have a fan. It looks like it's perfectly smooth, but then you use that fan for a year, and it's completely covered in dust and yeah. things. It's a similar kind of thing when you have such a tiny, teeny, tiny particle. It can catch on almost anything because it turns out when you zoom into that level, nothing is near as smooth as it looks. Mm -hmm. So they ended up uh, planting trees and realizing trees were a very, very important thing. And at the end of the day, we started looking and saying, well, where are trees planted? Where do we need to, to get more trees? And they found the same exact disparity where... Wherever you have trees, you have rich people, big trees, that is. Wherever you don't have trees, you have poor people and you have more, uh, you have communities that have more problems, however you want to define problems, whether that's a cultural problem or a lack of investment. So the, the roads are literally falling apart. And you ended up having this uh, this environmental racism that has come to play and come to pass in almost every single city, including Portland, Oregon, where if you take a map of the income of a given region or a given uh, neighborhood and you overlay that with a map of tree canopy cover, they almost mirror each other perfectly. Hmm. And so all of a sudden, when they're talking about this in Freakonomics, they're like, oh, and you have this other thing with particulate matter, which affects this cognitive function, which creates this whole reason as to why you've had these people separated into these neighborhoods in the first place. And then you don't plant trees in one and you plant the trees in the other. The other is just going to get better and better. But then the other one is now if you don't have trees like the London plane tree, which Alex, we haven't even talked about this, is one of the best trees for specifically catching particulate matter 2.5 <laughs> if you were to uh, plant a bunch of these trees not only are you creating shade but you're also taking away a, a very real cognitive uh, hammer that's on top of these people where if you are living in an area that's inundated all the time with this particulate matter whether it's from a freeway or something else if you plant trees they can actively scrub your community and make your air better for you and also fight the idea of environmental racism, which apparently has this whole its whole background in Victorian England. I've gone on too long, Alex. What do you What do you think? I have to take a break. <laughs> I saw this interesting. I follow this uh, account on Instagram today, or uh, on Instagram um, about ADHD. Uh huh. <laughs> and. Uh, she posted this interesting thing about um, attention lag, which is the the concept that if you have ADHD, mm -hmm. uh, it's common to when somebody is talking, you grab onto something they say and you think about it. But by the while you're thinking about that thing, they've moved on to the next <laughs> thing. Yeah. 
and by the and by the time you're done thinking about that last thing, then you can catch up and pay attention to what they're saying. Yeah. But during this whole time, you you can't even speak because you're 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 frozen and you're <laughs> and you're thinking about the thing they said three things ago. Uh huh. It's a little related to today's episode. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah, so I guess my my big que- I have two kind of I have t- uh, kind of a science question and then sort of a big p- geopolitical question. Ooh, okay. Uh, when the trees catch the particulate matter, the mm-hmm. PM, do they? Does it, it? It catches on the leaf. Like I loved the way I, you described it as like dust on a fan. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's really good. That's visceral, Casey. Yes. Um. Just is the, dust on the, is the idea that come fall, those leaves with all that particulate matter fall to the ground. Yes. And then that particulate matter, what gets, get, gets, turns into uh, the dirt. Yes. Yeah. So it becomes part of the soil. Does it not harm the plants growing in that soil? Well, it depends on what that particulate matter is. Sure. If, if it is filled with heavy metals, then that can, over time, contaminate the soil. Okay. But it would also be falling on the soil without the trees there at all, or between the trees and that kind of thing. True. Um, so if it, if there's already that kind of pollution out there, it's going to be out there and it's going to cause a lot of harm. Okay. Um, but generally speaking, it's just like little tiny dust particles and, okay. and smog particles. When you, we were talking about smoke... Um, smoke is essentially the non-burned bits of stuff that's floating out through the air. Yeah. Really, essentially, it's the tiniest bits of ash and carbon. Mm -hmm. So when we breathe that in, it's really harmful to our lungs. But if it just lands on the ground, it essentially does exactly what you say. Some microbe will eat it and turn it into something else, and then it'll just become a part of the soil. I see. So for the most part, it's not really that bad. Uh, But if there are these other certain chemical constituents, it can be very bad. So it's not fully like recycled and used for good necessarily. Yeah, it just kind of becomes inert where, you know, it falls in and then some fungus metabolizes it or something like that. Which is a hell of a lot better than it going into our lungs. Yeah, exactly. Um, My my political question Uh is, is this all part of the plan Oh, I see. Do you know what I'm saying? um, To keep the poor poor and their cognitive function low. Is this all part of the federal government's ultimate plan, which is, um, you know, fascist rule? Yeah. Whew. That's That's an intense question. I think if you ask Howard Zinn, he famous for writing A People's History... Of the United States, yeah, I think he would say yes. Yeah, um, maybe he would probably say no and be like, "Oh, okay, that's a little, that's a little much." But I think what he would argue is he would say yes, and here's how that is true, not that it on its face is true. Okay, so it's it might be a happy accident. Um, yeah, exactly. I but I think not happy for us. But. Yes, exactly for the for the the maleficent people who are out there making it happen. Um. Yeah, I think, Alex, what that would actually end up being is that he would say the the lack of investing into these neighborhoods, mm-hmm. into these communities, 
is a part of the plan. Redlining is the best, most perfect example of this yeah. kind of policy. Yeah. And which, for those of you who are unfamiliar, redlining is the idea that they would, in a very literal sense, take a map in the fort or the 1940s, 50s, and such, when everyone was going out of the city, the white flight, and they're moving to the suburbs post World War II. In the city, uh, they would take maps and draw red lines around certain neighborhoods, which, huh, whoops, are usually filled with people of color or some other, whether that is um, a neighborhood that is not sort of a white Aryan kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's the best way. Everybody else, the others than that. They would draw red lines around it, and they would say, we are not going to give loans for anybody in this neighborhood. And they would redline it. And you can find those neighborhoods. They still exist today um, because they have been disinvested in. They wouldn't give loans, so the houses are usually in more disrepair than houses literally a road over. Yeah. And there's not a lot of trees there. The cities kind of just said, eh, we're not going to repave that road. And they just wouldn't, no one would really care or invest in these, these areas. Because of that, then they wouldn't get these trees planted. So Howard's Inn would probably say, it's not that they said we are going to keep your cognitive function low by not planting trees and making you live in this area. They just said, we're not going to give you a loan to fix this area up. No one else is going to want to live there because you're poor. You have to live there. And we're going to engineer the system to keep you poor. And we're not going to pay any money into where you live. Okay. Thus... We are perpetuating that. So it wasn't a bullet point on the plan necessarily. Yeah, exactly. But it is a side effect of other things that were bullet points I'm, on the plan. I don't even know if until recently we knew the actual effects that particulate matter has on your cognitive ability. Sure. To end this whole conversation, um, <clears throat> in the, the Freakonomics episode, they actually play Lumosity games. Yeah. <laughs> because it turns out Lumosity has been keeping tabs of everybody's demographics, where they are, when they're playing, and what they're playing, and what their score is. So they ended up taking an average of, I think it was like 4 million or 400,000, like some crazy huge number of data points across multiple different cities in multiple different times cross-reference that with where, generally speaking, the pollution would be or what the particulate matter in a certain area would be, mm -hmm. and then cross-referenced it and found if you were playing the same game on a good day, you would score about six points higher than if you were playing that same game, everything's the same, on a bad air quality day. Pretty curious. Very curious. And that, like the whole thing to me, all the economics, all the studies, everything goes together so well. And I'm like, this is one of the most fascinating uh, discussions I've had about air pollution. And then my, the, my big uh, diatribe that I was on earlier that you were, you, were, you were coming in and out of, that was like, my whole brain is like, trees, oh my God, like, we know about this. There's this other group of people over here that's, it, that's been screaming this for years, Yeah. but now they have the data. Now, they were describing it in terms of productivity, Alex, and this is where the whole economics of it come together, where if we planted a bunch of trees and we invest in these neighborhoods, then the, the health of these people goes up. The productivity goes up. And if we just count how much money we're spending on hospitals and how much money we're losing with a loss of productivity because someone's just not feeling smart that day, it turns out that we are literally like millions and billions and trillions of dollars yeah. of lost uh, 
I don't know, GDP, whatever the number is you want to add on to it. <laughs> um, but then also you get this huge gain in, in breathing fresh air and quality of life. And um, now, though, I think I, this is probably way too uh, grandiose to say, we as a culture uh, have seen, we know, we see the data, we've, we've at least found these you know, super racist bits in our past, and now we can say, hey, that policy is now illegal, you can't do that. Yeah. We can plant trees everywhere. We can push them to specific neighborhoods where it has been, uh, like there's been a lack of tree investment historically. So I think it's a little grandiose for me to say, you know, we're, we're solving those problems, it's done now, because it's just not. But we have the ability to raise the quality of life and, and invest in these neighborhoods and create such a better place, not only because trees are nice, which they are very nice, but you also can plant trees like the London plane tree, which consistently ranks in like the top 10 of best trees to plant to get rid of pollution. Yeah. They grow well in every single situation, as we've already noted. Seems like a no-brainer. It seems like a no-brainer. And if maybe the people who are making these decisions have been huffing PM 2.5, so they are literally no-braining things. You used to be one of those people, Casey. I used to be. You worked <laughs> yeah. for the city. I did. But the city is working really hard to, <clears throat> to solve yeah. this problem. But, oh, man, it's a whole other conversation. Maybe we should just pause right now, go into another diatribe that we can put on the Patreon about how pissed off I am at the city, and then we can move back. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Casey, with that, let's get into our review of the London Plain Tree. Here's how it works. We're going to give some final thoughts on this tree and then give it a rating of 0 to 10 Golden Cones of Honor as our resident expert. We will begin with you. All right. Alex, I'm going to make this quick because I want to hear more of your opinion on this tree. <laughs> Casey. This tree gets an 8.3 from Holy Casey Holy shit. Okay. It's one of my favorite trees. I love it because you can. it's one of the trees that is overplanted and I'm still like plant more. Hell yeah. I think they're excellent trees. They do everything great. I think they're beautiful in their own kind of rugged, warty way. Mm-hmm. And they are generally a tree that I have zero problems with. You know, so I'm going to give incredible. it an 8.3 because man, it also, it, it does so much good. This is maybe a first where you have said a tree is overplanted, but it should be planted more. Yes. I think that is a first. And there's probably going to be a lot of ecologists who are just like, you fool. <laughs> That's the exact opposite. <laughs> Alex, what do you think? Um, the next 25 to 30 <laughs> minutes is just all you to, to see. Uh, you, you know the those like montages, Alex, where someone's doing a math equation, all of a sudden it all comes together? Yeah. That's what just happened to me over the last like 20 minutes. At least that's what I tried to admit with my, my mouth. Your eyes were milky white. <laughs> they were. Um, I think the London plane tree, by all accounts, is a total rock star. I would love to see more of them. I would not only love to see more of them, I would love to... F- have more of them around because they are apparently such good uh, capturers, mm-hmm. captors of pollution. Yeah. Uh, I recommend listening to that episode of Freakonomics, my favorite takeaway, which is like, you're going you're gonna to roll your eyes and say, Alex, you missed the point entirely. But my favorite takeaway was that uh, uh, accounts of urban air pollution go back to ancient Rome. Yeah. Where they called the the smoky air above the city, infamous air, yeah, <laughs> and heavy heaven. Heavy heaven. 
That's that's my favorite. <laughs> heavy uh, heaven. That's where you should start describing like, ah, oh, it's a heavy heaven kind of day to day. I ain't going outside. <laughs> this here's some infamous air. Uh, I like infamous air is almost like you you know you've you've known about it for years and there it is. <laughs> you see that air over there? That air is infamous. You see it every day. Uh, yeah, London Plain Tree is getting a solid eight point for me. All right, that's I think good. Yeah, I I I, I don't. I, I think it's it's apparent. Usually, I'm like appearances over function, little mm. little fashion over function. Yeah, honestly, I was kind of surprised. But I don't really care about its appearance. It's fine. It's ugly, but it's like who cares? Wow, Th- this feels like a utility tree. Ah, okay, uh, okay. And I really respect that. I'm feeling that you. It is a utility tree. Yeah, the, the whole thing. It's not only the bark. It's not only this. It's it's, it's everything. And that fruit's pretty pretty interesting too. Yeah. Uh, I love that fruit. I really do. I like to see it on the ground. I like to see it up in the air. You can see it throughout the entire season. It looks like there's just a bunch of like um, uh, ornaments hanging off the tree when it's yeah. completely devoid of leaves. That's much more generous than saying they look like testicles. Yes, that is. That's you know, I try to use the term globe many times. Oh, or, globe. Um, a globose fruit. <laughs> uh, you know, like that. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Casey, <laughs> it is time for the grand conclusion. Oh my God! Of the Tournament of Champion Trees twenty twenty two. This, honestly, I'm nervous, Alex. Casey, I'm. I've got knots in my stomach. I know you do. Yeah, but also a flutter in my heart. Is everyone? Do you think everyone's prepared? Do you think they have the same feeling? Like, it, we, did they wake up? Today and they're yeah. like, today's the day. <laughs> like, go for it. I think probably yes. Yeah. In the tree world, this is sort of Christmas. It's the it's kind of the biggest the it's kind of the Harry Potter of the tree world. <laughs> it's like Christmas and New Year's combined. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think um, you're right. And the Chinese New Year. Yeah. It's it's everything and Saturnalia. And Saturday Night Live, which is what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of live, Casey, we go now live. To the forest where Alex 2, Casey 2, and Tobin Mitnick 1 conclude the Tournament of Champion Trees 2022. Take it away. Welcome, Fungal Associates, to the final rounds of the Tournament of Champion Trees 2022. Mm. I'm Alex Croson. I'm here with co-anchor Casey Clapp. It's good to be here. And our guest co-anchor... Tobin Mitnick. Hey, now, having a moment. Before we get too far, I need everyone to know I haven't slept in a week. Wow. I <laughs> I want to encourage you to get on top of that. All right, I'm trying, but this has been keeping me up, Alex. As we noted the last episode, yeah. we have a gymnosperm fighting against an angiosperm sheet. The bills on either side are... It, it, the, you couldn't have planned this. And I need to say explicitly, we did not. We started with yeah. a, a mash of trees on either side. And somehow it's come out like this. These next two rounds, the semis are going to be... I think it's going to be something that is more spectacular than anything we've ever done. That's yeah. right. Wow, fireworks. Wait, that's a good setup, Casey. Mm-hmm. Um, Tobin, mm-hmm. Casey... 
Let's jump right in. Yeah. Does is everyone feeling okay? I should I should say I, I want to as we go into this. The stakes are so high. Does anyone have anything? Uh, are you bothered? Do you need to take a break? Are we we're ready to do this? Yeah. Toby? Yeah, I'm, I'm bothered, but I'm freaking ready to go. I drank okay. six Red Bulls in the. Let's do it. Yeah, he's he's actually shaking. I thought it was a camera, but no, it's I, but you. I, to be clear, I am quite bothered, but I'm I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I, I did chug a, a chai latte right before this, Casey. I'm, I had I had a pint of vodka. Oh my lord! Yeah, it's a weird so, measurement, man. It's a weird <laughs> measurement. All right, let's get into the first of our semi-final rounds: the monkey puzzle. Verse ah, the ginkgo. I can't believe this. Me neither. This is too high. The, the monkey stakes. puzzle. Araucaria Aracana versus the ginkgo. Ginkgo biloba. Monkey puzzle nominated by Edward Hildred. Edward's reasoning. It's lived and survived with dinosaurs. It's so spiky. It ages like a fine wine. Okay, it does. From Hannah Derman comes the nomination for the ginkgo. It's an ancient tree. has cool leaves. It's dioecious. Very tattoo worthy. We've already established none of us have a ginkgo tattoo. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. Will one of us have a ginkgo tattoo by the end of this championship? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible. It it might be that the ginkgo actually gets tattooed on us out of like rage, where it like slaps us so hard if oh, something yeah. doesn't go its way that it it imprints a ginkgo as a fossil on our cheek. You know, one one trip we really missed with this case mm-hmm. is to get some sort of engraved trophy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we don't know who it's going to be, so we can still get that engraved trophy. That's true. Yeah. All right. But I like the idea of filling it out each year. Ah, yes. I'm assuming this yeah. is going to be a, an annual thing. And hey, just, everyone, and everyone just going out to the forest and placing it on a tree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Resting it against the tree and going back the next year and taking it away. <laughs> yes. It's just like the Stanley Cup. <laughs> I don't know. There's a chalice filled with like champagne over by this tree. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Birds living in yeah, it. It'll kill a lot of slugs. I tell you that much. Uh, Tobin, what do you think about this matchup? Where's Look. your head at? Uh, it's it's a battle of the ancients, right? That's I mean, I mean that's what we got. The lineup wow. today is two different battles of the ancients, and looking at this line, this looking at this head to head, you know, I'm I'm pretty surprised that the monkey puzzle made it this far, but oh. I should have known not to underestimate this tree. Wow, um, this this tree is is a master of disguise. People think that it is a pine tree. It's not a pine tree. Um. And, of course, it's going up against the ginkgo, which is the most ancient tree of all, Casey. Yeah, I would also say that it's one of the best uh, masters of disguise where everyone says, oh, it's a broadleaf tree. It's a, it makes, mm-hmm. makes you know, uh, flowers. It does not. It is, a, it is a naked seed. Yeah. I mean, that naked seed, baby, that, that gym no sperm. Let's put it on um, there. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, yikes. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's cut to Alex here. <laughs> Tobin's gone a little off the deep end with naked seeds. Over Hard here. emphasis on sperm. <laughs> I'm going to close some of these tabs. Hold on. <laughs> I see. Oh, I see what's happening. Oh, God. <laughs> Trees. Ka- uh, Casey. <laughs> Casey, yeah. uh, Ginkgo, monkey puzzle. Okay. What are you thinking? This is, this is too much almost. So, again, we're going by the numbers here. 6.8 arbitrary rating for the monkey puzzle. And you know what? It doesn't really, it doesn't really show up. It doesn't have anything that's like... <laughs> 
this sets me apart. It's kind of got a, a, a altruism in the middle, and then it just gets less and less. It's wisdom, 1.9, power, 1.7, strength is 0.7. This is curious to hear from you. It made it to the semifinals, and it it's did. showing up with nothing. But you know how you know how sometimes you just like you get that lucky shot, and you end up just going through every Oh, it's time. luck. I'm wondering if that's the case, whereas wow. the ginkgo shows up with a 9.5, which I should note is just a little bit higher than the monkey puzzle but the big thing is it has uh, wisdom at 3.6 i think it's that the the ginkgo didn't get here by accident the ginkgo said and knew and calculated how it was going to get there mm. because it's done it before and it will do it again wow so mm. i i don't know what the answer is going to be because again the ginkgo is not as tough it's not as tough i don't think as the monkey puzzle and i think you can tell that just by looking at it you know, Tobin, Casey, I've been gunning for the monkey puzzle mm. since round one. Okay. Okay. Um, thank God it made it into this tournament. Well, you're its mentor. You're its champion. You're That's its right. advocate. Every great, uh, well, champion needs mm -hmm. one of those. They That's do. right. It's yeah, like yeah. a son to me. Please. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The ginkgo. <laughs> like a daughter. Oh. This wow. is a Sophie's choice. I love both of these trees. This Another is Sophie's, Sophie's choice. <laughs> They're everywhere in this. How this many Sophie's choices are we going to have to make today? And how how long until three. we three? How long until we come up with a pun, a, yeah. a, a, a naturalistic pun for yeah. Sophie's choice? So, so tree's choice is some low hanging fruit, but it's a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. <sighs> Having said all this, I think I'm just going to wait until it comes out of my mouth. Okay. On the count of tree. Who will go to the finals? Ooh. Monkey puzzle. Ginkgo. Here we go, you guys. One, two, tree. Ginkgo tree. Ginko. Monkey puzzle. <gasps> Alex, what did you say? I said ginkgo. <gasps> oh, oh my God. Ginkgo moves wow. on. Ginkgo moves on to the finals. Ginkgo moves on to the finals. Man, did you I hear that? Ginkgo moves on to the finals. Did you guys hear? Oh my God. I'm it's, so it's, pleased. It's all over Twitter right now. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Ginkgo made it to the finals. Ginkgo is in the final. Oh my God. That's our first finalist. We all saw it coming. We all saw it coming. We didn't know it was going to get here, but here it is. Guys, this is this is, uh, this is monumentous. I, I, I'm personally thrilled, but I'm also sad to see the monkey puzzle go. You're sad to see it go. Sad to see it go. Um, let's move on to our next, our second and last semifinalists. All right, what do we got? We have the red mangrove. And it's going up against the olive. Oh, my okay? God. Now, the red mangrove, Rhizophora mangle, nominated by Tomana Schultz. They look cool. Can literally make islands grow in salt water. That's, That's pretty good. It's impressive. Is one of wow. the few trees to do better in changing sea levels in warmer water. Mm -hmm. Stabilizes the shorelines. Creates habitats. Worldwide distribution. Mm -hmm. Just like... Just like our podcast, Casey. Yeah, exactly. Worldwide distribution. And it's going up against the olive. Yep. Olea Europea. It's got a rhyming scientific name. I love when that happens. That is a really convenient thing, isn't it? Nominated by E. Price mm -hmm. for these reasons. Iconic, hardy, ancient, versatile, beautiful. The foundation of Mediterranean culture and cuisine. It's so unique it has its own color. An anchor to the past, the stuff of legend. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tobin, you weren't kidding when you said we had two giants going up against each other. What do you think about this matchup? Looking at this matchup, I'm 
I'm reminded of John, protagonist John, mm-hmm. from uh, from Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Mm, wow. And right. um, John was apt to quote Shakespeare in a dystopian world of of soma and genetically reinforced class structure. Mm. And he did not care that the world was indifferent to his artistic appreciation. That's how I feel about the olive. Mm. And that's how I feel about the mangrove. One is a tree of the past. The other is tree of the future. Wow. Mm. So I really think it comes down to the question, am I Tobin Mitnick, a romantic and some would say nostalgic and yes, I give into that classification or am I a, a, a visionary? Mm. Am I a futurist? Am I someone mm-hmm. who <sighs> wants to give in to the inevitable? And the fact is that I would rather die with my soul intact. Give me the all of any day of the week, Alex. Oh, that. Casey. I don't know what to say. I'm, any I, words after that diatribe? I do. I have some words. I have some words. Uh, the olive is hard. It's a very hard tree. Altruism off the charts. This tree gives, this tree takes, and this tree stands firm, as it has against the likes of a Sika spruce and a monkey pod tree. I it's think come a long way to get here. It's very impressive. Uh, I'm sorry, although, this is your time. I didn't mean to No, interrupt. Alex, please. Sometimes I need others to help me fill in the words that I can't myself. Gotcha. The red mangrove tree is also just as hard. I made a mistake earlier when I said that the olive sets the stage for the hardest tree. It's a 4.6. The mangrove is a 5.0. Wow. So I am apt to say that if we're looking at the future versus the past, mm-hmm. the olive has the past in its pocket. Yeah. It has been there for thousands of years. It has done everything, and it's done it twice, and we still know about it today. We still look to it for its honor and its wisdom, its power, altruism, etc. However, the red mangrove tree is the up-and-coming. This is the Julius Caesar Taking slow advantage, and all of a sudden, when you look around, you realize Julius Caesar has taken over the entire world, and you are now in and underneath that world. And the red mangrove has come from nothing and now is something. Wow. I feel that the old hat might be the olive, the new hat might be the mangrove. We might be looking at a fallen republic that will never come back again. Whereas, otherwise, I think... I think sometimes you just have to look to the future and sometimes the future is staring you right in the face. Incredible. You know, part of the thing about going last is that those who go before you can say something so brilliantly that you have nothing to add. So I will just say, on the count of three, wow. we will announce the winner, Red Mangrove or Olive. Past or future. One, two, tree. Olive. Red Olive tree. Oh. oh my God. You know what? For all our talk, for all everything, it seems to me that that ultimately it's the wisdom and the strength of the 16.2 ranked olive that carried it across the line. You can't, you can't look past that. Oh man. 
I that am pretty stunned. I actually thought it was going to be a shutout. I thought Red Mangrove was taking it 100%. Wow. That's, you I, know was, what? I was yeah. actually on the line, Alex. I was on your, the line. Your past versus future comment really got me thinking. I, um, I, I have to agree. But you know what ultim- ultimately took it out? Is that even though the red mangrove is going everywhere, it doesn't have the stain power that an olive has. That's what did it for me. Hmm. You think it's a blip on the historical radar? Mm, no, I just don't. Th- I think it's too many small blips as opposed to one big blip that's been there the whole time. That's called a blop, my friend. There, it's a blop. Mm, it's a real Nadal Djokovic situation, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. It really is. I beg your pardon? Huh? I think that what? was a tennis. That was a tennis. I don't do. I mean, I don't. I don't watch any sports. But that's a ref. I can. As yeah, I can play that ref. You know, as that. we're as we're doing <laughs> sports here, I think that's good to make a sports reference. That's right. We take all sports references. We were we couldn't settle on one uh, <laughs> metaphor for this this tournament. It is it is it. And while we're here in the, in the final round. Let's let's talk a little bit about this tournament, Casey. Yeah. 39 <laughs> trees nominated. 39, Alex. 39 trees. And I honestly, there were some trees that I thought were going to be shoo-ins. Oh. They lost even in the first round of the preliminaries. The the uh, the Cypress, the Montezuma Cypress. Yes. Oh, my God. It's off the charts. I mean, literally off the charts with how big it is. It, I think, ranked number five. Like, it was a five out of five on power. Yeah. Yet everything else, it didn't match up. So it goes to show if you're uh, if you're just pitting the the biggest, uh, it doesn't matter if it's going against a small, tough but altruistic tree. You know what I mean? Burr oak, another one of these trees that I Stunning. thought was a shoe in uh, for at least the semifinals, not even in the tournament. Yeah, Tobin, do you have any trees that you remember from all those months ago when and you like? Wow, it's it's not here. It hasn't been here. Oh, basically all of them. Yeah. Um, mm. Every tree that I thought I thought the Ponderosa would have been yakking its way to the front of the line. I thought that Did I mean, even I get a nomination for sure. A redwood would be doing this. I mean, yeah. talk yeah. about a useful, wonderful, huge, strong tree. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Magnolias also. They didn't make it Magnolia. anywhere. No magnolias. No magnolias. Even though they were both there. No other pines. It it boggles the mind sometimes how these things come down the the mathematics that went into this truly stunned. Casey's talking as if this has been done he's done sixteen <laughs> seasons these things the, how these things come down yeah as if there's it's, been more than one of these things ever uh, let's you know on, in Alex. all our years of uh, tournaments of champion trees. <laughs> This has to be the most exciting. It sure is. It sure is. Um, a, yeah, biggest cone also, uh, either a big cone hmm. Douglas fir or a, sh- a, a sugar pine. Hmm. Neither yeah, one of them made it. Cool. So it also goes wow. to show the size of your cone doesn't matter. It's the motion of, uh, of your... Uh, let's, let's move on to the finals here. We have Ginkgo no. versus Olive. I feel like we can work <laughs> this out. Okay. Our final matchup. The two giants, the gymnosperm, ginkgo, right? Yep. Versus the angiosperm, olive. Wow. Okay. Two primordials of their form. Tobin, how are you feeling about this matchup? Give us a cl- give us a peek into where your head's at. He's crying. Oh my god, he's crying. Oh shit. Are you okay? Um, just, just shut up, Casey, for a sec. Just, just shut up. I shouldn't have shut, said that. Just shut your it, mouth, buddy, buddy. Hey, buddy, just shut up for a second. Like I said, I gotta, 
I'm going to keep my thoughts to myself and I'm, I'm prepared to share my choice when the time comes, Alex. Thanks. Wow. Totally respectable, Tobin. Casey. Alex, I've been thinking about this a lot over the last several days. Yeah. Um, this is not what I thought the matchup was going to be. Hmm. But here we are. And ultimately, there are myths that I think are going to push these two trees over the line. We've pit their, their numbers against each other too, too much. I don't think that that's what's going to do it. The ginkgo has been a cultural phenomenon in China for time immemorial. It's been so a part of their culture, we actually don't even know if it literally exists in the wild. It has become so connected to people that it is a cultural tree that we have myths as to where it came from, how it came, why it came. And that has, has entered into the ether in a way that I think is, is almost uh, remarkable. There's mm. nothing else like it. Except for the olive. The olive also has this, this mythical uh, mist around it that has made it almost an impenetrable barrier that no tree, no, no tree anywhere has come close to it, yet it is, it is seeable, it's visible, you can touch it, you can feel that it is, it is a powerful entity, yet it's also an entity that is, is you know, ethereal in every regard. So the myths, the mythical legendariness of these two trees, I think is really, is really what's going what's gonna to be the, the push it over the line. The numbers, I think we have to throw those out. I don't even know if we can yeah. compare them anymore. No, I agree with you, Casey. The, the, the difference in in rankings and numbers is is too uh it's civilian or pedestrian it's too small pedestrian. a way of thinking for this final matchup i th i think you're i think you're right on target ginkgo olive um it's hard to even know what to say about these trees i'm sure you listening at home have your favorite in this fight mm -hmm. i have mine mm -hmm. tobin We'll see when the time comes. Mm -hmm. Casey, we'll see when the time comes. And the time comes right now. Oh, my God. On the count of three. Okay. We will announce the winner of the Tournament of Champion Trees 2022, the first annual. Who will be the Kelly Clarkson of mm -hmm. this tournament? Mm -hmm. Well said, Alex. One. Two. Hold on, I need to breathe. <gasps> I have nothing else to add. I just need to. I just. I just need a moment. Oh my god, Casey, don't do this. Okay, start again. I, I really thought something more exciting was about to happen. <laughs> Alex, stop. We're getting. We're getting some information. It turns out Ginko's <laughs> been on drugs this whole time. I oh checked. my god! <laughs> Out of the background comes David Attenborough. Wow. Sorry. No, it's not exciting. I just, I needed to breathe. Okay. Building the tension. <laughs> Let's release that tension. Huh. One, two. Wait, Alex. Wait, 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 wait. Oh wait, my God. Wait, what is it, Tobin? I'm ready. I'm ready. Just say it. Just say three. <laughs> okay. Alex, I'm ready, Alex. Alex is broken. He <clears throat> can't do this. He can't handle it. The pressure's too high. <laughs> Tree. Olive. Olive. Oh my Olive God. takes it. You guys are kidding me. The writing is on the wall. Wow. An 
Oh, the olive tree is the champion. Olea. Aquafolia. What is it? Olea Europa. Aquafolia. Olea Europa. Wow. The olive becomes the first champion in the tournament of champion trees. That's real. Is this real? This is happening, Casey. I can't believe that. That's incredible. That's wild. I'm pleased and a little stunned. For me, what gave all of the edge? And listen, I, I don't want to. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Well, you know that people literally lost thousands of dollars betting on this, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's that place called? Not Las Vegas, but it's in Las Vegas. Uh, the betting rooms. Yes, the betting rooms. <laughs> um, for me, the history, the culture around the olive, it's so integral, mm. not only to Mediterranean history but to world history. It's an incredibly important tree. I'm not saying the ginkgo isn't, but for me, I put more weight in the cultural and historical importance of the olive. I voted, if you guys will recall, I voted against the olive mm-hmm. in its matchup. I do remember that. With mm-hmm. uh, something. The sick spruce. Uh, the, the red mangrove. The red yeah. mangrove, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. Um, and wow. here I am now celebrating its victory. Our our. Our lives change in a way we we don't expect when we go into the into the arena of the tournament of champion trees. Yeah. So there's our winner, Olive. Congratulations. Wow. And to the Olive, we say, um, what's like a cool tree related thing we could say as a congratulatory thing? Happy we, birthday! You are happy birthday. Tremendous. Oh, sorry, Tobin. You are tremendous and happy birthday. I feel like just one round should do it. No, <laughs> one round should do it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta let it go twice because they uh, have to walk around. It's, the form it's, is it's a, is two a of those. victory lap. Yeah, that's so know? mournful at the same time, Alex. Which is what I like about it. It's like a a, a small note of sadness for the, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the red, for the, the red loser, river for the ginkgo. Red, yeah. red river gum. Honestly, it's the, oh, the yeah, for sure. It's for the trees who fell before us. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the tree that rises above them all is the olive. That was. The Tournament of Champion Trees 2022. Longest game segment we've ever had. (laughs) Bless your heart if you've listened to the full thing. Tobin Mitnick, we couldn't have done it with anybody else, my friend. Uh, It's been a joy to have you here for these several weeks of tournaments. Tobin, any final words? Anything you want to plug? Not Really? I'm writing a book. It's not going to be out until next April, but it is about trees, and that's pretty much all I can say about it. Well, I hope it includes the olive. Don't give anything away. You know what? It doesn't. (gasps) Wow. Stunning. Winners are still losers somewhere. There's there's some stuff in there about it, though. No, it does. It's it's present. It's present. It's present. It's present. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, thank you again measure. for being here, Tobin. Thank you, guys. I had a great time. I love hanging with you guys and talking talk about trees. Yeah, it's a it's a true delight. Ditto us, and thank you for listening to the Tournament of Champions, the Tournament of Champion Trees, twenty twenty two. Back to the studio. Wow, I am stunned. <laughs> I don't even know what to think.
<laughs> the, the olive takes it, Casey. She's the olive. The olive. I mean, it seems obvious now when you look back. There's no other obvious answer, but uh, I mean. I mean, not according to our DMs. Yeah, and, uh, well, yeah, that's true. Everyone, now that it's over, uh huh, I have to issue an apology. Mm. For what? Some people's trees didn't get on the on the bill. Yeah, I feel bad about that, but it's we not don't. Your fault. Oh, yeah, there's there's we had to do something. So if your tree didn't make it, I'm sorry. There's going to be another one in four years, and it's going to be absolutely insane. Four years? Yeah, it's it's like the uh, the World Cup or the Olympics. Oh, you know? I thought this like, was an annual thing. Yeah, every four years is going to be one. I don't know. Maybe we can see. Maybe it's every four seasons. Okay. Well, that is every out. year, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, uh, I hope that everyone had a really good time with this. Um, my brain is hurt from too much math. Yeah, Casey, I, I got to give you props uh, in front of everybody. Thank you. Uh, Casey, this was your brainchild, this oh. tournament. I didn't want to do it. That's <laughs> true. You looked at me and you're like... And then you press play, and you're like, all right, we're going to do a game. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Alex, for joining along. I, but after we, after we dedicated ourselves to it, I definitely wanted to do it. Yes. It's a, it, it turned out awesome. You spent I don't even know how long and how much brain power figuring out all these numbers and math. So much. Thank God you're good at math, because I wouldn't have even <laughs> attempted any of this shit. Oh, gosh. Uh, but yeah, w- uh, we the tournament is now over, and our, our great thanks to Tobin Mitnick, who joined us for mm-hmm. all of the rounds. Um, a great guy, and we were, we were happy to have him on the pod. Yeah, a spectacular journey, and... The olive. I'm. I don't know. I'm. I'm still speechless. Olive. Obviously, I'm talking. Don't look too close into that. Yeah. You know what we could use is a. You know how people get like tattoos of like, of their if their team is in the finals. Oh yeah. They'll like get a tattoo like too early. Yeah. You know. Ah. Uh, we should get like a red mangrove tattoo. <laughs> tournament of cha- tournament of champions. Yeah. Uh, twenty twenty two. Oh uh, yeah, well, yeah. Champion everyone. I'm, honestly, I think everyone should get the tree that they were like. This tree's gonna win. Yeah. Go get that tattoo. Uh man. The real winner is uh the tree you wanted to win. Exactly. That's canon. Exactly. So we're gonna do it again, probably, maybe. It was a lot. However, the real important thing here is that every tree is a winner in its own habitat. That's right, Casey. Uh I don't think it would be a lot of work. You've done most of the work up front. Yeah, we just have to type it in. Yeah. Actually, no, it would be a lot. Do you have any oh. idea how much how difficult it is to go and find the oldest tree of every species? Yeah. <sighs> uh, no, I do not. You yeah. did you did all of that. That's a good time. <laughs> anyway, I hope everyone had a great time. And we're gonna be back next week with a bunch more fun things to do. That's right. There's no endings here. There's no endings. This is going on forever. Don't you understand by now? Don't you get it? Casey, it's time for our completely arbitrary Q&A. This week's question is from Aster. Aster says... What do we got? I recently started listening to your show, and I have a weird question about trees. Aster, you've come to the right place. This is the right place, yeah. I have been running a Dungeons & Dragons campaign, and and a significant part of it is set in cold Arctic regions. I was wondering, what kind of trees would you find in very cold areas? 
I'm sure this makes the situation much more complicated, but the backstory of this world is that there is a region which suddenly began to get extremely cold about 100 years ago. Ooh, interesting. I thought you would like this one, Casey, and this this person asked her knew exactly how to how to get their uh, question chosen because they mentioned Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, that's honestly honed in on it. It's a smart it's a smart move. There's just like keywords that'll get us all to look at anything. We're not yeah. gonna tell you what those are. But Dungeons and Dragons is one of them. <laughs> is one of them. Uh, yeah. What do you think, Case? Okay, a, uh, an Arctic region that is uh, very, very recently gotten extremely cold. That is, it just recently got cold. So this is a big thing: is that if it changes temperature too quickly, yeah, like what's happening with climate change right now, things can't keep up. They're not. They don't evolve fast enough, right? Or, or the traits. Um, at a population level, don't don't kind of migrate, move. So, would you find a lot of dead trees? Yeah, I think you, that would be the first thing you you'd probably see. Is if it just recently got really cold, you'd probably see like let's say it used to be semi tropical. Maybe mm. you'd see a lot of dead trees that died very ingloriously. You know, it's like piles of mush. Yeah, exactly. And and they would be like all their stuff would be kind of hanging off of them before they kind of just completely disintegrate and die. Yeah. Um, however, I think there, if you, if, if we say it happened quickly, but not too quickly, mm-hmm. no more definitions into that, then things would have moved ever so slowly. Right. You're going to see a lot of conifers because conifers are the trees that almost ubiquitously, except for in the Andy mountains, Andes mountains, uh, they would be the trees that grow at the highest elevations. Right. They also are the trees that grow at the highest latitudes and the lowest latitudes. Well, I guess it would be highest either negative. So essentially, when you go down to the southern tip of Patagonia, you get conifers. You go all the way up into the Arctic Circle in the north, you're going to get conifers. Right. On, on Earth, if you go high enough, you're suddenly low. Yes, exactly. And then, you know, everything's really kind of upside down at that point. Wow. Those poor Australians, they yeah. must be sick to their stomachs. So, uh, yeah. What do you- How about some Black spruce, Casey. I was going to say, black spruce, uh, any other um, fir trees would probably do really well. Larches, I would imagine, okay. would do quite nicely in that sort of area. But then again, willows, as not tall trees, but low trees, you get a lot of willows out okay. there. Willows crush it, and there's a couple alders that grow up at that high of elevation or in really cold areas. We also need to consider that this is, a, I'm assuming... That this is a world of magic. Ah, so it could be. Are there maybe potentially some yew trees? Yeah. Can, can yews crush it in an in a environment like that? They do, yeah. There's some that grow up near Mount Hood. Our Pacific yew does that. There you go. Because uh, yews are very magical. Yeah. There's also a very magical um, aspen. Aspens are magical, magical trees, I think. Don't you think? He, sure. Okay. I wasn't. wasn't you just I, mean like in your heart. You yes. don't mean like mythologically. I, yeah, yeah. That's okay. probably. That's probably right. That's why I was looking at you like validate me, please. Alex, I need this. You know, Douglas firs are pretty magical. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's just saying. Well, they uh, aspens also grow really, really high elevation. Okay. Um, there's also a magical oak. The gamble oak uh, in the Rockies grows real, real high. There, it's like up there. You know what they say about the gamble oak? Mm. It's a safe bet. <laughs> oh, Alex. So, that, yeah, and that's what I would say. I bet you there's going to be a, a mixture of all of them. Certainly spruce. I think spruce would be a very important thing. Um, but also, you know, there's going to be some pine trees. There's got to be some pine trees. Yeah. That's enough to choose from, I think. Yeah, I think you can get some good ones there. Thank you so much, Aster, for your question. 
if you have a question about trees, especially a weird question about trees, yeah. email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. Especially a weird question. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Join us on Instagram to follow along with all of our news and such. Or you can support this podcast on the Patreon, patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. You can join the Arboretum for five bucks a month and get two bonus episodes a month about other related topics and trees, or join the Cone of the Month Club to get a unique die-cut cone sticker illustrated by an independent artist every single month of the year. That is right. And one other update that I think we should tell everyone oh, about. Oh, yes. Head to our website if you want to take a look at any extra information from any of our shows. We just updated it, and I have to say, Alex, it looks great. It does look great, Casey. And hey, while you're there, arbitrarypod.com slash merch. Let's see. This is coming. This episode is coming out on the 30th. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this, this is your last day to pre-order a Douglas Fir t-shirt. Casey, uh... That's the end of the episode. <laughs> you know, sometimes... <laughs> this was a pleasure, Alex. Thank you. Sometimes we get to the end of these things, and I, I have no concluding statement. One um, of these days, we should just do... Uh, we should just end it, like, in the middle. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll like, just after it. the break? No, 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 we'll no. we just no. come back and say goodbye? Sorry, in the middle of a, se- in the middle of a sentence. Oh. Uh, like the, uh, um, uh, the Sopranos. We'll just... Uh, oh, God. Zip. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>